Well, as, as has, if I can talk today, as has already been expressed, we're grateful for your attendance here this morning. Obviously, I look across our audience today and I realize that quite a few of our number are uh, away taking advantage of the long holiday weekend, but we're glad that you're here and I hope the time we spend here together will be beneficial for all of us. Tomorrow is Memorial Day, as we all know. And all over the United States, in parks and in cemeteries, people will gather together to commemorate those whom this nation seeks to remember. Now, I don't know what you typically think of when you think of Memorial Day, whether it's those solemn observances or the beginning of summer vacation, obviously a lot here, think of it that way, or cookouts in the backyard, or family get-togethers, whatever it may be, one thing I'm certain you don't associate with Memorial Day is a sermon or a church service of any sort, because Memorial Day is not a religious holiday. But I think it's worth considering the underlying concept behind Memorial Day. Its very name calls us to remember. Memory is a wonderful gift that God has given to us. I've talked about this often over the years in funeral services, memorial services that I've been asked to do. Through the power of memory, we can go back and we can relive those scenes and experiences of the past. And some of those memories are, are happy. We may smile, we may laugh as we relive them. Some of them are sad. We may even weep as we think about some of those things. Memories are also important because they're extremely practical. Uh, for example, if you're leaving out of here today and you get to the driveway, the end of it, and you get to the light, and you didn't remember that red means stop, that would be a problem. It's important for us to remember what day it is. If you don't remember your anniversary or your wife's birthday, that's a, I see Michael making a face, he's already afraid. Uh, that's a, a very bad thing. It's July 22nd, by the way. I know that because I looked it up so I could be sure to let everyone know that I knew that. Also, now you can remind me in a couple of months. That's not too far away. We know that memory is so important because sometimes people forget. Uh, just a few minutes ago, for example, I realized that I had forgotten to write the check to put in the contribution today because Abby always does that and she's not here. We need help remembering because we tend to be so forgetful. It's like the old story, some of you may have heard this, about the fellow who had a notoriously bad memory. And one day he ran into a friend of his that he hadn't seen for some time, and they greeted one another, and he said, Hey, do you remember what a bad memory I used to have? Well, of course I remember. Everybody knows that about me. Well, I went to this seminar where they teach you to remember things through association, and it's great, it's fantastic. I don't have a bad memory at all anymore. 
And his friend said, well, that's, that's awesome. What's the name of the seminar? He thought for a minute. My wife went with me to it. I'll, I'll ask her. He turned to his wife. And then he turned back to his friend. What's the name of that flower? It has the, the long stem and the thorns and the red bloom. You mean a rose? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Hey, Rose, what's the name of that seminar we went to? People tend to be forgetful. We need help to jog our memories. But God was very well aware of this human tendency. And so we find all through Scripture, He gives us repeated reminders. You could go back to Genesis chapter 9, and we find there that when He promised Noah that He would never destroy all the life on earth in a flood again, he promised him, I have set my rainbow in the clouds, and it will be the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. So every time we see a rainbow, it's a reminder of God's promise. Or we can go to what's my favorite example of this sort of memorial. This comes from the text that was read just a few moments ago in Joshua chapter 4. In Joshua chapter 4, the Israelites are just about to enter into the promised land. Moses has passed on. Joshua is their leader now. They've come to the Jordan River. They're ready to cross over. But it's at flood stage. They can't make it. How are they going to do it? God instructed Joshua to have the priest take the Ark of the Covenant and to carry it out into the middle of, of the water. And when they did that, the water stopped. The people were able to walk across on the dry ground. But what's of more interest to us is that God also told Joshua to have one man from each tribe go back to that dry riverbed and to take a rock. And then they were to take those 12 stones and they were to construct a monument, a memorial. And the purpose of this, Joshua chapter 4 and verse number 6, when your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When it passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. Just in this same way, there are special days, special times that God sets aside in Scripture that call us to remember and I want us to examine just three of those together this morning. Most of us here, we're already going to know the stories behind all three of these. But I want us to think about it with this theme of memorial, of memory in mind, and see how these three things might help to jog our own memories. The first one is the Feast of the Passover. Now, most of us know the story behind this. The Israelites had been first sojourners and then slaves in the land of Egypt for over 400 years. And one day God called Moses, who had been in Egypt, but who had run away. He called Moses and he said, I want you to go back to Egypt. I want you to lead my people. I want you to stand up to Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. So Moses did that. 
But you remember that Pharaoh was reluctant. He didn't want to lose his free labor force. And so God sent plague after plague after plague on Egypt to try to persuade him to change his mind. And things played out the same way every time. In the midst of the plague, Pharaoh would relent. Just stop. Just take it away. I'll do anything. You can go. But once the plague had been removed, he'd renege on his promise. He kept them in bondage. And so finally, Moses tells the Egyptian officials, this is from Exodus 11, verse 4, about midnight, thus says the Lord, about midnight I will go out in the midst of Egypt, and every firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, even to the firstborn of the slave girl who's behind the handmill, and all the firstborn of the cattle. There shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there has never been, nor will ever be again. And then God gave instructions to the Israelites. Each of them was to take a year-old lamb, one without spot or blemish, the best of the flock. They were to kill the lamb, drain its blood into the basin, roast the lamb, but before they ate it, take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and touch the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until the morning. Now, those are obviously unusual instructions. When you make dinner, you don't typically go and paint the blood on the doorpost, I imagine. So why were they told to do this? You see it there on the screen. Verses 12 and 13. For I will pass through the land of Egypt that night. And I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and on all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgments. I am the Lord. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and no plague will befall you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So someone in every Jewish home took hyssop, they dipped it in the basin of blood. They painted the doorpost with it. And that night, God brought judgment on Egypt. And the next morning, there was weeping and wailing in all the homes of the Egyptians. But on those houses where God saw the blood of the Lamb, He passed over. And so the next morning, it says in verse 33 that the Egyptians were urgent to send them out of the land in haste. They said, we'll all be dead. After 400 years, they were free. Go. And that is why the Passover was to be celebrated continually. Verse 14. This day shall be for you a memorial day. And you shall keep it as a feast of the Lord throughout your generations as a statute forever. You shall keep it as a feast. Over 3,500 years have passed since that day. But faithful Jews still celebrate the Passover to this day. They remember when God brought them up out of Egypt, when He delivered them. Now, of course, we don't celebrate the Passover. But this is still an event worth remembering. 
because it reminds us of the power of God. It reminds us of His faithfulness to His people. And also because it reminds us of our Passover, Christ. And while we don't eat a Passover meal to remember Him, in a, in a sense, we do keep the Passover. And we do have a meal to remember Him. And that actually brings us to the second memorial we want to note today. Our meal of memory. On the night before His crucifixion, Jesus gathered with His disciples. They were going to eat the Passover together. It was to be a meal of memory just as God had commanded in the long ago. But as they ate, Jesus gave them something new, something greater to remember. Listen to the way Paul records it in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning in verse 24. When he had given thanks, Jesus broke it, that is the bread, and he said, This is my body which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way also he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. This word translated in remembrance, this could literally also be tra translated as memorial. Do this memorial of me, Jesus says. And what we're remembering here is this new covenant that's established in his blood. And that concept of a new covenant is extremely important. Jesus is the fulfillment of a promise that God had made through the prophets. And in particular, I want to read from you, to you from the prophet Jeremiah. Jeremiah 31. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. Not like the covenant that I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to bring them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant they broke, though I was their husband, declares the Lord. But this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, and I will write it on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And no longer shall each one teach his neighbor and each his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. No longer was the Passover to be a meal that simply commemorated God's deliverance from Egyptian bondage. Jesus says He's bringing a new covenant, a greater covenant than that one that Israel broke. And now the bread and the cup were to be reminders of this new thing that God had done in Christ. Of Jesus, of His sacrifice, of His love. Christ is our Passover. Paul says that 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 7. Peter compares him to a lamb without spot or blemish, just like that Passover lamb, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 19. Or you might think of the words of John the Baptist when he sees him in the first chapter of John's Gospel. Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Through His sacrifice, we have the forgiveness of sins 
that the prophets looked forward to. That's why Jesus says, do this memorial of me. When Paul writes this, he adds in verse 26, as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. When we eat the bread, when we drink the cup, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we not only remember, but we're declaring to the world that we believe in the death and the burial and the resurrection of Christ. We might not all be able to speak eloquently, but we can all proclaim our faith through this action that we participate in each and every week. Like those Israelites eating the Passover, we remember what God has done for us in Christ. We bring that into the present each and every week. Paul writes further about this in the previous chapter of 1 Corinthians. Chapter 10, beginning in verse 15, he says, I speak as to sensible people. Judge for yourselves what I say. The cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? The bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ? There should be unity here. All of us here together eating the Lord's Supper in common. We've all traveled down the same road. We've all sinned. None of us is worthy of that sacrifice Christ has made. None of us deserves what God has done for us. And so we eat this in recognition of that. We're aware of that. We partake not because we deserve it, but because God has invited us to eat this meal. He's invited us to come into His presence and to sit at His table. He invites us to eat His supper, and we share it with each other. And we remember all that He's done for us. And that brings us, third, finally, to the day that we eat this memorial, the day of assembly. The Jews had a day set aside each and every week that was a day of remembrance. It all goes back to creation. In the beginning, God made the world in six days, and on the seventh, He rested. That is, He ceased from His creative act. And because of that, He set aside that seventh day as Sabbath, a day of rest, a day of remembrance. You remember that this was one of the Ten Commandments that He gave to Israel. Remember the Sabbath day. And keep it holy. Keep it set apart. And so the Sabbath ultimately became not merely a day of rest, but of worship, of remembrance, of reflection on God as creator and on how he'd blessed Israel. Well, in a similar way for us, the first day of the week commemorates the action of God. It's a memorial day. It's the day of the resurrection. Jesus was raised by God from the dead on the first day of the week. It's the day almost certainly of Pentecost. There's a little bit of controversy about that depending on what calendar was being used. But for the Sadducees who had control of the temple, Pentecost was a Sunday. 
And so I think that's almost certainly the case. So the Holy Spirit fell on the apostles. 3,000 were added as the church began, and that first proclamation of the gospel was heard there. And pretty soon after that, Christians were all meeting on the first day of the week because it was this day of remembrance. They assembled together to worship God. They assembled together to encourage one another. They assembled together to eat the Lord's Supper. So that by the time we get to the end of the New Testament in Revelation, John can talk about that first day of the week, and he actually calls it the Lord's Day, the day that belongs to the Lord. And so on the Lord's Day, the Lord's people gathered together to eat the Lord's Supper. Thus, in the Old Testament, there was a memorial day, a day set aside each week for remembrance of God. And in the New Testament, too, we as Christians have a day set aside. There's, we shouldn't think of this as the Christian Sabbath, as is sometimes said. That's problematic for other reasons. But there is still this sense of the first day of the week belonging to God in a special sense. A day in which we remember what God has done for us in Christ. And so when we gather here on the Lord's Day, let's always remember that we've come here to meet a holy and a righteous God. And let's remember what He's done for us. We have so much to remember. That applies in all aspects of our lives. Memorial Day is a reminder of that. But it's especially true in our spiritual lives. God knew that human beings were forgetful. And so, as we said, He gives us these reminders all through Scripture. That's why He had Joshua build that memorial so that in latter years they would recall what God has done. I love the way it's put there. When your children ask, what do these stones mean? Tell them. Well, this is what God did for us when we were crossing the river. It's the same thing for us, isn't it? It should be. When your children ask you, why do you eat the Lord's Supper? Why do, we, why do we go to church on Sunday? Well, let me tell you a story. Let me tell you about what God did for us in Jesus. Let me tell you about Jesus Christ who shed His blood on the cross, who gave His life up for us so that we could have forgiveness of our sins. It's exactly why God has given us things like the Lord's Supper and the Lord's Day, because they call us again and again and again, week by week, to remember who He is, to remember what He's done for us, and to remember who we are in response. So let's not forget the faithfulness that God always exhibits towards His people. That's what all of these memorials have in common whether we're talking about the rainbow or whether we're talking about that monument that the Israelites built or these three that we've explored in more detail, they're all about what God has done and His faithfulness to His people. Let's not forget to come together to worship Him. When we do, let's especially remember the sacrifice of Christ that calls us together. And let's go out then, because our memories have been jogged, and let's live lives of gratitude in response to what God's done for us.
Now, maybe you're here this morning and you've never come to Him. I want to urge you, because God has done so much for you, to make the decision to become part of His people today. Put your faith in Jesus Christ, your trust in Him, the one who died for you. Turn to God in repentance. Confess that Jesus is Lord, both with the mouth and then with the action of baptism. Be buried in water. Have your sins washed away. Be added to His people. Maybe you're here this morning, you already are a Christian, but you've forgotten. You don't think about all of the things that God has done for you. And maybe because of that, you haven't lived your life in a way that you should. If that's the case and you need to make changes this morning, if we can help you in any way, whatever your need may be, it's the Lord's invitation while we stand and while we sing.